everybody, this is Kelly Games for DC Comics News, and welcome to episode 10 of Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. Today we're going to be talking about the episode Benson Curse. Um, if you are under the age of 18 or not old enough to watch Harley Quinn, we recommend that you try any of our other shows, but not this one, as this is not a G-rated show, nor is it a PG-rated show. With that disclaimer out of the way, I would like to introduce my amazing co-host, starting with Brad Filicky. Brad, say hello. Hello, everyone. And the wonderful Kendra Hale. Kendra. Hello. And the amazing Seth Singleton. Seth? Why, hello. And with that, I feel amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Always the optimist. So... We have a, what I can describe as the world's worst, maybe not the world's worst family reunion. We've seen a couple bad family reunions on Harley Quinn. Um, But we get to meet Harley's family in this episode after she has what I guess we can describe as a lapse in judgment slash falling out with her crew. Um, So instantly we kind of open up this episode with some fun insta stalking slash insta revenge that um, i'm sure everyone has seen between groups of friends um and also some great bane moments so what do you guys think just hitting the ground running with this episode uh, do you love bane still because bane is still my favorite brad yeah i still love bane and i really hope that that caffeine is my reckoning is a real mug somewhere that dc can make that because it is I would buy that in a second. They do make it good because I'm going to have to look it up because uh, I figured they would. But that was. It's, it's I, on there. I've been debating that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was looking at that and I'm thinking, man, I've got to check out to see if that's on the web somewhere that I can, so that I can pick it up. Um, but yeah, and I, I just I just love it when Bane talks about blowing stuff up. I just, I, I hope one day we can see Bane coming up that he wants to. And just hope it's not an amusement park. <laughs> uh, Kendra, yeah. what do you think? Uh, absolutely, uh, caffeine is my reckoning is a great moment because who doesn't who doesn't you know relate to that? But I think my favorite part of this, like the thing that hit me instantly, aside from Bane offering to blow up the crew, um, was was in fact the the unemployment. Their uh, their first day of unemployment and how the crew is at. <laughs> at a theme park on a roller coaster with Clayface basically shaggy dogging at everyone who's on the roller coaster. I think that was probably the first time that I was yeah. like, okay, so this is what villains do on their days off. <laughs> Seth, what about you? What a great opening. I mean, picking up the phone, clicking on the images, and then seeing that, well, unemployment. More like fun employment and King Shark just like selling it from that moment on. And then going from the ultimate high, best day ever, to, oh, God, I'm going to get sick. I want to die. Make the roller coaster stop, you know, and food all <laughs> over his face. And and just that sort of like wild up and down. Like he seemed like such a kid. And uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that, you know, just two episodes ago we were watching this guy, you know, I mean, essentially get married, grow up. And now he's just a big old kid again. And 
the best part, Harley's jealous because she did this. Like, she's the reason things are the way they are. <laughs> How about you, Kelly? Yeah, I everything about this scene is hilarious to me because I, I know for a fact that when my roommate in college was mad at her friends, she would go out of her way to post like a really fun Snapchat or Instagram story just to show how much fun she was having. And I didn't get it at first, but then I would get mad at people and be like, huh, I get it. There's a weird like. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) It's, It's so subtle, but it's so useful. And I also really like the idea that not only does Black Manta have a summer lair, but that there's this like inner office struggle at the Legion of Doom that, you know, Bane's gotten this obvious email invite to Black Manta's summer lair and Harley's just not invited. So on top of everything else, she's just still not in the inner circle. It's I I love kind of the the weird inner workings in this show and the way they make the most mundane office or even like, you know, regular everyday bullshit just seem like okay yeah I could see Black Manta or Bane or or King Shark doing these ridiculous things that all of us do I I love every moment of this and Coffee is My my Reckoning is a mug that I think I'm gonna have to add it to my cart eventually I've been trying not to buy any more mugs because my mug shelf is full and and my my shelf that's supposed to be for plates but it's now another mug shelf is also full so you know that that's been a thing but I can sort through that so, <laughs> can we also point out the fact that the whole point of the gathering for the lair is that Black Manta was smoking a pork shoulder? Like that's one of those things right. about like, office, you know, sort of environments. Like I'll never forget, I pulled together. You can do this great trick to make Kahlua pork, and I'll give anybody who wants the recipe. I swear to fucking God, like anybody, it's so simple. It's a crock pot, and it's three ingredients. And is somebody out there saying they want the recipe? Do I hear I am. <laughs> and I would make this and bring it into a place that I worked and suddenly it was like king for the day, king for the week. And you're like, really, guys, it's a crock pot. Like, love you all, too. But it's not like I created the solution or got us all a pay raise. But that could be the thing that's suddenly like, wow, you know, so and so, dude, brought a pork shoulder, smoked that shit. <laughs> Do you see that shit? Motherfucker. He knows how to party. Dude, girl's going to be over him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just had to laugh about the whole thing and be like, really, dude? Black man is uh, smoking a pork shoulder. That's the big thing at the lair. <laughs> He's not going to kill an enemy or have, like, an arena of people battling each other or make sea creatures do it. Like, pork shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that, that email has one of those, like, you know when MySpace was big and they had those glittery words that would spin around? I, I really <laughs> like how the email <laughs> Right? Like that, 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 to me, I would go to that barbecue. I would go to Black Manta's summer lair just for that. But the- you have to wonder if he's still mad about Aquaman choosing Harley over him. Maybe that's where his resentment comes from. Wow. Oh, that- <laughs> oh, and then that's why Harley didn't get. It. Oh, see, this is interesting. Now you're getting into the real inner office politics. <laughs> He's bitter. <laughs> I kind of love that. <laughs> I like to think that Black Manta's sitting there glittering his email, going, and none for Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Not for you. Not for you. No. 
Oh God, I I adore every aspect of this show. And actually, speaking of the entire bizarre villain dynamic, we learned that there is a a goon app. Um, I I believe what goon review, and you know Ivy's not in a great spot. She's currently being dissected by some guy in a hazmat suit, but he can't let her go because he doesn't want to get three stars on goon review. Brad, what did you think of Ivy's whole situation starting out here? Uh, you gotta, you gotta feel sorry for her, but, <laughs> but her, uh, her guard there does not seem to have it all together. Um, it, it almost seems like, like a, a serial killer that always seems like a really nice family man. That like they'll come after they discover all the bodies in the backyard. Oh, he seems so nice. He's always seemed like such a loving husband. That's how I kind of, <laughs> I kind of viewed this guard. And, you know, we certainly don't want his goon rating to go down. <laughs> Kendra, what do you think? Uh, that's Gus. Oh, Gus. Um, <laughs> I mean, who who doesn't have to, to whore themselves out to goon the goon squad for, for art supplies for their classroom full of children that tell dirty jokes during share time? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, you brought up a really good point, Brad. I mean, he really does come off as your atypical psychopath. Like, on one hand, he has this life where he, you know, he's he's a kindergarten teacher, but on, on the weekends, he's a four-star rated goon review. And he really reminds me of uh, John Lithgow's character from Dexter, where you have this normal man who's able to carry out a normal life and, you know, has kids and then on the weekends decides to, to kill people. So, I mean, it, it really fits that really well. And the humor that they put into this, especially with the art supplies, was great because here's Ivy trying to bargain for her life with construction paper and, you know, smelly good markers. It's it's perfect. Seth, what did you think? <laughs> so much of it was perfect. So, so very... <laughs> Hey, you're up, sleepyhead. I mean, right there, creep factor goes way up. I mean, we're past 10. We're at like the 35s. Like at that moment, you're like, oh, you're going to skin me alive. Yeah, you <laughs> dirty, rotten fucker. I know who you are. You're that guy. Okay. Seen Silence of the Lambs. Seen the first couple saws. Got buked out by the rest of it. Know what's happening here. Anytime you wake up and you're strapped down to a table and the person says in a very polite voice, like, oh, hi. You're like, oh, I'm done. Come on, man. Even Princess Bride, they tried <laughs> to slide you over with that, like, smooth talking thing. But, dude, the torture machine was the torture machine. I don't care how polite, you know, <laughs> he is afterwards. Now tell me how you feel and be honest. Like, as soon as you saw this guy, it was like, wow. And then, yeah, Brad, way to bring in, like, the serial killer factor. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a low-level goon. I, You know, I'm a kindergarten teacher, but, I, you know, I low-level goon just to earn art supplies. Uh, and I can't get below four on the goon review. <laughs> and that becomes the bargaining chip. Like, here comes Ivy, like... Yeah, so uh, I will buy you all the goddamn motherfucking art supplies you want, dude. Just get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> and he's like, no can do. Sorry. Oh, hold on. Ah, uh, yeah, Mrs. So-and-so. Yeah, yeah. So there was a grown-up joke told in sheer time. <laughs> and when he gets outside, he fucks up the joke. And he's like, yeah. And one of the potatoes says, I'm a Idaho. 
Wait, wait. One of the potatoes was a prostitute. <laughs> You're just like. <laughs> but then the, the genius of it, like this is just where you got to love someone just playing a bit, is that call and that character characterization that you get from him as he goes outside spins perfectly into that plucking the dandelion innocently blowing a couple of specks and watching it flutter off in the wind. And then that's the speck that comes in and lands with Ivy and we get baby dandelion weed who, I mean, holy shit. If we could do a show with Bane and baby dandelion weed, I'm, I'm fucking there. I mean, I'm not even like, come on, man. It's, 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 ah, what's the word? It's bulletproof, baby. It's, it's, <laughs> it's indestructible. Like, holy shit. Everything about that scene was perfect. Yeah, the serial killer guy, you have that, all that introduction, you know, and man, I'll be honest with you. I, I did my time teaching on a few occasions. And yeah, for what you're getting paid, like, you're like, okay, so what in the house is metal we can scrap, melt down, and sell? Because I'm not making jack for shit, and and these kids need shit. <laughs> like, oh man, Kelly, ah, take it over. I, I now that I'm thinking about that joke again, I feel like I did hear that joke in in maybe kindergarten or first grade, and thought that Idaho was the funniest thing that ever happened. Same with the first time I heard no shit, Sherlock, I lost my shit. Like, I, I can remember the first time I laughed at that joke. It's, a, you know, good grade school potty humor. It's adorable. <laughs> but, I mean, this whole scene is just, I, I mean, for one, now that you guys mentioned the serial killer thing, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I wouldn't have even pegged that guy as a serial killer, but that's what makes me someone who might be susceptible to a serial killer because <laughs> I never seem to get it. As much Investigate Discovery as I watch, I'm always shocked at the end. Kelly, you but. talk to Cami Garcia. You should know better. You need to get her on the phone. You need to have a couple of one-on-ones with that lady about <laughs> escaping from locked trunks <laughs> and how to recognize a goddamn fucking serial killer because, yeah, this guy had it written all over. The only thing he was missing was a T-shirt that says, I like to store my parts in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and see, in my head, I'm looking at him and I'm like, yeah, this is just a nice guy with a shitty job. Like, it happens, you know? Sometimes you got to torture the person. It sucks. It sucks for everyone, mostly for the person on the table but in, in in any case i love the fact that that ivy is so powerful that this little dandelion fluff piece that clearly no one would consider is, is something she can use that she can manifest this thing from a tiny little microscopic piece of fuzz basically into a, a walking talking or mumbling dandelion it's it's hilarious and I do love just the slight bit of character we see from that dandelion as as this episode continues, because clearly it does act in a lot of ways like a dandelion who has not seen many things is is about to see a lot of things. <laughs> um, but we'll get to all of that. My favorite part of this episode is the fact that we get to meet Harley Quinn's family, um, starting with. Her mother, who, I mean, at first glance, I was really into her, but it just, did, did you expect this episode to kind of take that that family turn? And what did you think initially meeting Harley's mom and dad? Brad? Uh, well, I really like the sitcom 
little setup intro that they had going on. I thought that was a nice, uh, nice touch. But yeah, being that this is Harley Quinn, I expected I expected it all to go to shit pretty quick. And I well, I guess I really was disappointed. Um, but yeah, I kind of I enjoyed the family, but I didn't trust them. And I was very curious what happened to Barry. <laughs> Kendra, what do you think? I'm not going to lie. The first time I watched this one, um, it kind of threw me for a loop because when this episode came out, I was reading um, I was reading the, the arc in the Harley Quinn comic series where you also met her family. And seeing the two differing ways that they introduce her family was kind of a culture shock. Because on one hand, with the, the Harley Quinn animated, you get married with children, but Harley Quinzel style. And in the books, her family was, you know, yes, they were, were kind of an oddball, but they all loved each other. So it was really weird and, and, and shocking to see the, the, the discord that you got between the two mediums. But I don't know. I mean, when, it, when you first meet them, it, it's not that big of a shock to see the way that they're presented because we've already seen these guys when we went into Harley's mind a couple episodes back because they're on her family wall and they're literally there as the married with children Quinzels. So, I mean, I, I think it was more predictable than anything, but it still shows the genius of the writers to pick up on just that small like image and to personify it into an entire episode arc. Seth, what did you think? This this okay so i'm gonna do one of those things has everyone seen natural born killers yes yeah actually yes okay do you remember the creepy part where uh she's having flashbacks of her family and rodney dangerfield's dad and it's like a creepy sort of sitcom thing yeah that's where this took me like at that moment i was like oh that sitcom intro it's grainy it's dirty it reminds me of all the things about shitty TVs from the 80s. This is not going to go well. And then, of course, you know, like we see the evolution of Harley, uh, you know, going on to success. And sadly, Barry's evolution is into a uh, urn, which is just fucked up, dude. I mean, like, really? And then all, not only that, but to have it in the theme song and your brother who's dead. Like, it's just at the very end there. You're just like, holy shit. You know this has got to be bad. And actually, uh, damn, I mean, Kendra, you really nailed it for me. In the series, in the comics, we just watched Harley go through this horrible grieving process, too, with the death of her mom, who was so supportive and such a major, like, cornerstone in her life. And now the destruction it's causing, you know, with the character as she tries to deal with, like, what it's like to lose a parent and already being not the most stable but the details in this, I mean, I love the mom, although she instantly reminded me of when we moved out from New York when I was like a really little kid. Um, there was a family that was uh, also moved out because my dad got laid off and he got rehired. And these guys moved in like right around the corner from us or we moved in around. Anyways, we go over there and the mom was such a typical like you, you just the accent would be so strong. And she'd be like, yeah. So she's holding a cigarette with like a glass of wine. Like, and yeah. And then I says to him, I says, look, I don't understand. And I, as soon as the mom started talking, I was like, oh, shit. Transported back to like seven years old back there at the house. Just like, oh, my God. And 
there was something about the tracksuits. Do you want to get as far as the history of, uh, you know, and Kelly, you're in charge here, boss. Uh as far as you know dad because we start to get like this with introduction it's not just an introduction we also find out you know like dad's out of prison and uh there's also a little bit of history as far as harley's uh gymnastics do we want to leave that for a little bit or am i going too far yeah no you know what go into it and we'll (laughs) we'll circle back in a second too but let's just let's start with that now because Oh, my God, I hate her dad. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's something about the fact that you transition from mom who's like, you haven't called in 36 months. What's going? Oh, well, you know, I had the crazy Joker thing and then the breaking up a Joker and this and that. But when dad walks in, it's like immediately you get this story about her as a gymnast giving up, you know, basically her shot to be everything she wants to be uh, a contender and sponsored because her dad bet a bunch of money against her. And if she does this, he'll keep all of his nine fingers. Everybody caught that, right? He'll keep all of his nine fingers. Like, this guy is so fucked up. He's already starting off this story with nine fingers. Like, (laughs) and then afterwards, she takes the dive for him. And he's so busy kissing her ass. And she's like, you know what? I fucking hate you. And then just kicks the shit out. It was, it was pretty awesome. The only thing that I could follow it up with was the bracelet jail, which just doesn't measure up to anything. But he's giving one to mom and that got things back together. And now he's got one for Harley. So, that's as far as I'll take it on that. I'll pass the baton and let others carry forward. Kelly. <laughs> oh, God. See, I again, this this episode's just going to show how gullible I am because I and I think actually I was when I first watched this episode, I think I messaged you guys in the group chat too and was like, wow, Harley's mom. I love her. And then just as the episode progressed, I was like, no 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 like this is I mean it's if if you scroll far enough back in our group chat you guys will actually see the progression of me realizing that like wow her family sucks (laughs) (laughs) I yeah I guess I just I don't know I don't think I'm a hopeful person but I must be a pretty hopeful person because I (laughs) did not see any of this including with her dad it's just the roots for how it is that Harley became involved with the Joker and was able to take his shit for so long is right there because you see her mom who is even if we disregard what he did to Harley we see that clearly her mom had you know divorced him gotten herself on a healthier track was doing better in life um and then is pulled back in by some promises that clearly he's not going to keep and a prison bracelet which is just I mean it's (laughs) <laughs> so uh, brad where did where did you end like did you did you see parallels there what were you thinking yeah well i you know i remember the first time watching it i was kind of surprised that she did take the dive but watching it again and keeping in mind the conversations we had about the character itself in the show and its and her evolution it made sense to me, you know, rewatching it that she would take that dive because she it, she's not the Harley that we see developing now. She was, you know, she was the the Harley that fell in with Joker so hard. And so watching that again, it it it, it brought that to light to me. Uh and I I don't think I liked the mom from the very beginning. I just, you know, I just did not 
I just did not trust them at all. There was something about them. Um, yeah, and e- even with a bracelet that's like waterproof to 50 meters, it's just not, it's just not cutting it. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it kind of goes back to what I said when it was, it's just, it's a huge shock to see the difference, but Kelly, you brought it up perfectly with this was, you can see it. I mean, you see the loneliness when you go into the, the flashback and how much emphasis she puts on, on family. And it's, it's easy to see how this iteration of Harley was able to be so susceptible to Joker because all it would have taken, like with her mom, and from everything that she's seen, is a few kind words and, and just feeling like she's important for her to accept basically anything that Joker would have had to throw at her until she finally hit her breaking point and realized her self-worth. I mean, that's really the, the hardest hit in this episode is meeting her parents, because... In this this part in this universe for Harley, they're horrible. I mean, her dad having her dive at a gymnastics tourney, which who bets on a gymnastics tourney? I mean, <laughs> there are way better things to bet on than a gymnastics tourney. <laughs> but but I mean, it just shows you like how low and it really sets up the scumbag so i mean at this point for me it's it's almost a toss-up on who the bigger douche is harley's dad or joker <laughs> seth where where did where did you fall just sort of on the the harley joker versus i believe nikki and i totally missed the mom's name but nikki and mom's relationship did you see the parallels completely I mean, I believe, in fact, I'm pretty sure later on in the episode, she's like, yeah, I got a lousy taste in men. Sound familiar? Like, she's just so pissed at the <laughs> fact that, you know, that she's she's missed it, you know, that, that she went through all this. And we can see that hopeful Harley, who's so ambitious. And, yeah, you can see how gullible, you know, she is because she's been treated so shitty. That all it takes is a little bit of, you know, kindness beyond what she experienced from her parents, which really doesn't take much. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could buy this girl a cup of coffee or say hi. And that would be like, holy shit, what an amazing human being you are. And you're like, no, really, I just said hi or bought you a cup of coffee. Like, you need to expect more of people. Like, (laughs) it's okay to expect more of people. Um, and this just really illustrated it, it, it showed that, you know, she clearly didn't have the best role model for, you know, what to look for in a healthy relationship. And the, again, going back to that sitcom, it was like it, it set up so much in that intro with dad, you know, all of his flashback scenes were him kicking the shit out of guys who clearly he's collecting money from the mob for. And now what happens to guys who used to do that? Ah, they end up being guys who owe money to the mob. Like, it's <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. Um, but but the parallels for this were, were just, they're really kind of perfect. And it's clear to see that if she's looking for anything like what she grew up around, Joker was a perfect fit because clearly her parents were pieces of shit. I love rhyming stuff like that. Kelly, stop me. Let's keep going. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that rhyme. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it sucks 
to see because throughout this show we see how capable Harley is and the fact that even though she's a villain she does have this sort of morality and this sort of heart to her that you don't see with a lot of other villains I mean I'd like to think that she would invite the entire Legion of of Doom to her shoulder roast um but (laughs) it's it's so unfortunate to see people play out harmful patterns um especially when it's a pattern that they seem to have risen above. And I think that that idea lends itself really well to toxic and abusive relationships because people who end up in them, and you know, if you've had friends that have been in one or if you've been in one yourself, you'll notice kind of there's this likelihood that even though you'll get away from it, that you might end, back, end up in the same situation again just because it feels familiar. And then once you realize it again, it's almost harder to pull yourself away from because you're like, fuck, I believed in this thing. I, I, I believed that I was better and that I was making the right choices. And I mean, we're, we're not quite there yet. But in this episode, we actually get to see Harley talk to herself and say, yeah, I, uh, I trusted you. You told me to go home and home was a shit show. And Harleen, <laughs> Dr. Harley version is like, yeah, I had no idea that was going to happen. And that in and of itself is really sad because it's there's just this part of us that doesn't necessarily recognize the traps that we tend to fall into. And, well, we'll we'll get to that whole thing with second Harley later. Um, But in the meantime, Harley's family, despite being total pieces of shit, um, are still, you know having some surprising, gory, terrifying ends. Was anyone else shocked by what happened to Harley's grandmother? Brad? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't necessarily <laughs> see that coming, I got to say. Poor grandma. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, was one hell of a brain tumor, as Harley's dad says. Um, yeah, I did not, yeah, I couldn't say I saw that coming. Uh, Kendra? Yeah, that was a full-on holy shit moment. <laughs> like, you, you do not expect it to go that way. And they, they went, and they took it all the way. Seth, how did it strike you? That was the most aggressive form of brain cancer I will ever see. Ever, I hope. <laughs> uh, and, and the setup for it, like... It was just kind of sweet, like, well, I went to the doctor, and I don't know what to tell you, but there's brain cancer, they say I don't have, bam! (laughs) And from that moment, you have this crazy series of, you know, someone's trying to kill us. (laughs) And what could be my favorite line in the whole thing, which is Harley saying, Mom, God doesn't send assassins. And that... Probably had to want to be one of my favorite moments out of this. And from here, we get to launch off into the other thing. Because now we start to get glimpses of just what a total piece of shit dad is. But we're, we're, we're not there yet. We're just peeling the onion. Kelly? <laughs> yeah, I, I did not expect. I, I mean, you don't expect to see grandmas blow up or get shot in TV. That's just. To me, that's just kind of a standard, like, if there's a grandma on TV, 99% chance she's not going to kind of seem to explode the way Harley's grandma does. But this is how we find out that there are assassins hunting down possibly Harley, possibly her dad. 
Um, I, yeah, that, it, it, it kind of knocks you in the head because Harley Quinn is such a violent show. Literally. <laughs> right? Like, and everything else is so layered that I almost forget how violent it is. But then this, seg- from this point of the episode, this kind of segues into, you know, these crazy action, you know, fighting scenes where we see just how agile and how capable Harley is. Um, and also the fact that, I mean, this girl with a bat can take down an entire Italian restaurant of mobsters with gigantic guns easily. I mean, it, it, she doesn't seem to struggle with it. And we get there because uh, after grandma dies, her dad convinces her that it's the mob trying to kill them. Um, how, how did you guys take this next part of the spiral, this next kind of twisting of the web from Harley's dad? Brad? Uh, I kind of feel I kind of feel bad for Harley because I think deep down she wants her dad to be okay and that's why she keeps giving him these chances and it always comes back to haunt her so this is one of those moments where Harley has the realizations I think I think this is the start of all that in uh, in this episode and those mobsters, man, that one guy looked exactly exactly like Polly Walnuts from The Sopranos. So that that, that was a good little uh, a good little uh, reference there for sure. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? Uh, I like the fact that in this scene with after after the assassin and you know her dad's talking about how they're coming after him for the mob. Um, I like that they they show the viewers there's like this little it's not necessarily a break in the fourth wall but it's definitely an allusion to we know how big of a douche she is because you see the manipulation on his face every time harley does something or says something in his favor like he's like oh yes i knew you would do this all i had to do was press this button or press this one or say this and even as she walks out the door you know, and she's she's literally telling him it's not for you. It's because if we don't do this, they're going to come after mom. I mean, even then, he's still like, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. And she's still walking down this path. So <laughs> Mama Macaroni was was a good scene. I mean, you get to see her absolutely go psychotic with a baseball bat and, and to, you know, bend off some steam. But I think that they led up to it really well. Seth, what did you think? They really did a great job of leading up to it. You know, you can see how dad's been manipulating Harley all of her life. Manipulates a lot of people. Mom, Harley. God, you got to wonder what poor Barry put up with. Poor little dude. Anyways, um, (laughs) with, uh, with, you know, Kendra, one, you nailed it right there with that fourth wall break. As, As soon as she's like, yeah, we'll go ahead and fix this. And he gives that look that that really ugly sneer that that just yeah you're gonna do what i do you're gonna do what i say you're gonna just whatever and (laughs) from that moment you're like this isn't the end of you dude you're you're a piece of shit and like stepping in it you know what i mean like you think you got that fucker off your shoe and you know a couple hours later you're like god damn it i still got this shit right ah but we go into the restaurant. I love that we open with Somatis, a Fugazi. Yeah, these are all great things we should stop saying so as not to contribute to, you know. 
<laughs> debilitating stereotypes and such. And I, I love that, that that intro starts out. And then when one of them, oh man, I, Brad, yeah, Polly, Polly. I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, we, we shift gears where one of them's like, yeah, well, you know, fuck this bitch. And he's like, whoa, 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 we can be respectful while killing her, okay? <laughs> so there's like, you know, I love that, like, twisted mob class. Like, hey, hey, she might be a dumb broad, but that doesn't mean we have to smack her around and call her a dumb broad. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, wait a minute. Wait, I'm sorry. I feel like your morals are doing, like, a striptease pole thing i don't understand what the fuck like how does that work but uh we also get to see dad like again you know he's got the control because as soon as i mean granted kelly you said it you know this girl with her bat with a hammer with other things um later we get a fork which is just badass but all the shit she can do at the same time when dad starts calling out the gymnastics moves and she starts responding annoyed but she does it you know what i mean she could be pissed all she wants she's still doing what he wants and that means in his mind i'm still the puppet master i still got the strings um (laughs) and in the process we get to again see just how amazing she is how it is that she came to be the hopping spinning leaping you know flipping cartwheeling harley we know and love and then we get the great moment where the chef comes out with a gathering, <laughs> starts just like ripping away. And in the process, dad loses his thumb. So now he's down to like eight. Everybody keeping track here? Eight. We're at eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like that that whole scene from the mob into dad pulling strings again, we, we get Harley blowing off steam. But you also get this feeling of like, why do I still not trust this fucker? Why do I still not trust this fucker? Well, because like Harley, like everybody else, at some point you start going, hey, dude, you're uh, you're kind of shysty, kind of, you know, kind of crooked, kind of backwards, kind of, you know, yeah, you're a piece of shit. As Harley so eloquently said during dinner, pass the peas right next to that piece of shit, which was just ah, such a great fucking line. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see the, the fun part about being on this podcast is you guys bring up ideas for that, you know, it, it's stuff I pick up on, but then you put it in a way that it's like, wow, I I didn't realize the extent of it, which and in this case, it's that, you know, and Kendra, you said it perfectly, like Harley from her dad and with the situation with Joker, Harley's dad's basically been setting her up for abuse her entire life. He has, he has this girl trained to a T to just respond to whoever's in control and do whatever it is that they want. And he knows that he's doing it and does it completely selfishly without at all thinking of what might be best for his daughter. And what makes that really, really fucked up, as if that's not fucked up enough already, is the fact that they then turn around and blame Harley for ruining their lives by getting involved with the Joker. When it's like, well, no shit, that's who she ended up with. That's who you trained her to end up with. That's who you raised her to go towards. And it's, I don't know, I I walk away from this with such a feeling of injustice for Harley. Because it's, you know, she comes back to her family with open arms in a sense. Even though she's calling her dad a piece of shit and she hasn't called in 36 months. She comes back with this hopefulness that things will be better. That there's a chance for her family. 
And what she gets is the same sort of manipulation and abuse that she's had her entire life, straight up through her relationship with the Joker. And that really sucks. And it's really, I mean, it's bullshit that her family then blames her for you're why we get spit on at the grocery store. Well, no, actually, you're why you guys get spit on at the grocery store. Because if you raised your daughter a little bit better and treated her like a person and not a, you know, a bargaining chip, then maybe, maybe she wouldn't have become a supervillain. All that aside, and literally aside, there's a fun little B story going on in this episode where Frank, the very high plant, and his pot man, Chaz, and the dandelion are trying to get to Bensonhurst to let Harley know that Ivy is fucked. And they end up with some honey that both gives interesting qualities to Chaz and is some kind of a drug <laughs> and on their way to Mexico. So, I love hearing you describe that. Some kind of. <laughs> wow, that was so funny. Need- things like my parents are going to listen to it. <laughs> Please don't let your parents listen to this. Please, Kelly's parents, oh, God, stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brad, what did you think of this whole B story? I I like this B story. I like Frank. I like seeing Frank get a little bit of uh, a focus on this episode. Uh, and uh, does this, but I have a tendency to streaming shows with English subtitles on. I don't know why I do it, but I do. And I just loved it every time that the dandelion talks. It just says meep. <laughs> which makes sense because that's what he says <laughs> but i love that like back and forth with the whole lassie thing with uh the dandelion talking to frank and frank can understand uh i, yeah, I love that and uh i i gotta say man he got them back from near mexico all the way to new york pretty quick so good for frank uh, i trust him behind the wheel uh kendra what do you think I love the fact that Frank and Chaz are still friends. Like, I love that this wasn't just a one-night stand where he was like, hey, I just need you to carry me. Just carry me here. And it's it, it's turned into stoner sessions. And I love that. I mean, they, they're literally sitting there, and even Chaz sits there for a second, and he's like, am I really seeing two plants talking to each other? Like, that's the weirdest thing up to this point that Chaz has had, even though he's been sitting there smoking a a joint with Frank. (laughs) And the, the GTFO for Mexico, the hallucinogenic honey. (laughs) That was a great moment because like (laughs) grandma, you don't expect what's getting ready to happen. Lick it once, you see God. Lick it twice, you pass out with a boner. I mean, it's it's great. <laughs> and they they let it go. And I love it. Because then you have Frank take over because here's poor Chaz passed out in the driver's seat with a heart on. On his way out of Mexico, being shot at. It's wonderful. Seth, what was your favorite part? Now, you see, uh, I'm a fundamentals guy. Give me a nice, clean bounce pass. Get that Duncan shit out of my face. (laughs) WNBA. Like, that was really what's kind of sold. Like, Frank's introduction of being like that. No, 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 no. I'm a WNBA man. (laughs) I need the bounce pass. None of that Duncan shit. I like the fundamentals. Pure, clean basketball. (laughs) If you 
if you've been around someone who is talking about the WNBA that way or trying to sell that the sport that they love is a sport you need to be watching and you just don't understand, like that was brilliant. But the fact that he's doing it with Chaz, who's just getting so blitzed, I mean, yeah, they're smoking one joint, but you know these fuckers. They've been getting high all goddamn day. And it was somewhere in the <laughs> middle of this session that Frank was like, let me tell you something about sports. WNBA. Let me tell And he just like roll right. <laughs> and then we get the adventure. Yeah, uh, Brad, I do the English subtitles thing. I, I've been doing it forever. In fact, I had a roommate who used to scream at another roommate who had a hearing issue, but he hated the subtitles and he would scream at him. I was just like, dude, why you got to be such a dick? Like the guy needs the subtitles. It's just how shit works <laughs> in life. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but I like it. And uh, I have to put them on for my wife. Anytime someone's got like a heavy, thick English accent, like, you know, if it's real Cockney or if it's a heavy Irish brogue or something, because she's just like, I can't understand. I, I, what are these fuckers saying? I swear to God, I can't understand shit. So I do it all the time. It's just for a habit and because i miss shit like you know i don't care how good your hearing is there's shit you don't always catch but when you see the subtitle you're like oh nice <laughs> so i love that you know that that we get a chance to have that me you know which is just so me and it's perfect it's like beaker right i swear to god it's just like beaker me, 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 me. and mm-hmm. you know he would just <laughs> and the fact that there's like this what's that i've used in a well what's that she's trapped at the uh you know what is it uh planet pavers i think it is <laughs> and we gotta go rescue and then the rescue turns into finding out the chaz he's like i thought you were a wee man he's like i am an entrepreneur i have diversified i'm moving up in the world honey <laughs> and, and i don't know if i can say it as well but one lick you, <laughs> you see god do you pass out with the motor oh fuck and dude, frank is a wheel man i swear to god like put him in baby driver frank baby driver fuck yeah i'm i'm down like let's let's make it hot uh <laughs> and we'll get to their eventual you know destination as it applies to the rest of the overall story but the b story for this was just beautiful uh, <laughs> And Kelly, when you were saying that the poor little dandelion weed, which is kind of like a little kid, when he shows up and all of a sudden they're blowing clouds and he's just like, <coughs> like, <laughs> I fucking died so hard. I swear to God, like, because it was almost intentional when they're like, what, what you want? You just a little weed. <laughs> I totally reminded of the family guy when they were doing, uh, I think it was Empire. And the one's like, you will not believe what I just saw. What are you talking about? You didn't see nothing. You a little truck. (laughs) (laughs) All of that rolled together for me in a wonderful conflagration that I call the beauty of this show. Kelly, handing it off. (laughs) I, the, this side story, there's just so much to love with one you know, I'm I'm glad you brought up the the WNBA part because the, the first time I saw this, I remember listening to that and being like, yeah, like it, it's the fundamentals. Give me a good bounce pass. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody remember, none of that behind the back shit with Kelly. Bounce pass. <laughs> Let, let's keep it clean, people. <laughs> Fundamental. <then> actually, <laughs> I had so. My my best friend growing up, her name was Tara, most awesome person I've ever met. She's got two sleeves and is a surfer and just the coolest person ever now. But when we were kids, 
she was the most soft-spoken person in the world. And we went camping once, and this is just one of my favorite memories, but I had gotten myself into some kind of trouble. And she ran back to camp to go get our friends that we were with and was out of breath and trying to tell them what was going on. And one of my friends was like, what's that, Tara? Kelly's caught in a well? The barn's on fire? (laughs) And so this scene just brought me back to that so hard. I'm like, oh. The little dandelions, Tara. <laughs> but I, I love this whole story. I, <laughs> I was not expecting. I, when they, when they said that, you know, you pass out with a boner, I was like, okay, yeah, he, he's passed out with a boner. There's was a little part of me that's just thinking like normal, you know, evening television where they're not gonna show the boner, and then they show the boner, and that, that was the part that I was like, oh, okay. We're going you didn't all think they were going to show the boner? They showed Grandma's green pan. <laughs> I don't know why that was more acceptable to me than the boner. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what that says about my psyche. But this entire, the, this bee story is just adorable. It's two plants and a pot man on their way to reunite two friends because one of them's about to be dissected and the other one is about to be murdered by her parents. So that brings us, oh, also, guys, Frank's sex dream. That was, anyone else get real uncomfortable about that? That's, I mean, there's something about seeing a plant just narrate what's going on in their dreams that is very odd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was dirty. That was just, you know, at one point you just almost wanted to hear it like, now stroke my leaves. Stroke my leaves. <laughs> I feel like I would have laughed even harder <laughs> if, they, if they started talking about leaves, then okay. <laughs> but, so getting, getting back into the main story, um, the, at, at some point, Harley is texting Ivy, kind of, you know, ready to close the book with her parents, ready to leave, ready to, you know, rebuild their friendship. But Gus intervenes and Gus tells Ivy that she and Harley's friendship is toxic. What did you guys think? Did you agree? How did that, you know, kind of text mix up hit you? Brad? Uh, I, you know, I I never really bought that it was a toxic relationship. So I didn't really put too much credence into that text messages. Uh, I, yeah, I, uh, it always seemed to come from a very honest place for both characters. So I, I, I kind of didn't buy it. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? At this point, I think Gus is an asshole. I mean, he he makes the whole pun about the, pulling the Band-Aid off and then actually pulls a Band-Aid off. And then, <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, and now I'll, I'll reply to her, which, you know, Ivy's like, ass. But, I, I mean, I, I agree with Brad that, their their relationship at this point isn't necessarily toxic, but I think that that's almost the perfect torture mechanism right now for someone who's literally strapped down, can't do anything, is waiting to figure out why they're trying to harvest her, who's trying to harvest her, and all she asked for was her phone, which we all know, you know, she was going to try and get help. That's it's It's normal. But he's taking away that one thing, and not only is he taking it away, but he's doing it in probably the most cruel way by telling Harley that, you know, that we're cutting, I'm cutting you off. 
Seth, what did you think? So remember earlier when I said this guy skins people alive, like how much more proof do I need? Like, really? <laughs> how much more fucked up can you be than to be like, yeah, so, uh, you know, clearly the best thing that I can do in this situation is to ruin your relationship with your friend. Uh, send a text that's basically a lie. And also in such a just a really nasty way, be part of this thing that I mean, it embodies all of Harley's worst fears. Like she's been treated so terribly that, of course, at some point she's going to be like, am I the problem? I'm the problem, isn't it? I'm the one who's fucked up. I'm the one who fucks everything up. They're all right. They're all right. And this just sort of cements that that fear because he's reading into it. He's just like, hmm, what can I do that's really mean and nasty? And yet at the same time, I can express in my cold, dispassionate kindergartner voice. Ah, I'll send a destructive and debilitating text. Bing. And you're just like, dude, you... You got problems, man. You're fucked up. Like it's it's cool you didn't want to give her the phone. We get that. She was gonna try and escape, and and you know you got a job to do. Goon review. We get it. But then to turn around and be like, and just to go ahead and pour a little salt on the wound. And of course it's the crushing blow for Harley, who's like, well at least I can go somewhere else. Oh no, wait, I can't. Even the one person I could count on the most now says I'm toxic, which I probably am. And that means I'm useless to everybody. So I might as well just stay here, keep getting treated like shit. And <laughs> you're just like, ooh, okay, this this is a fucked up guy. I'm just going to say, it. yeah, you know, Gus, fuck you. <laughs> Kelly? Damn, guys, you, you, you guys are so much smarter than me sometimes. Because I, even at this point watching the show, I was still like, no, Gus is just trying to be a good guy. He just doesn't understand. But at the same time, I can genuinely say that I have been that friend running from a bad relationship who has had to rely on my friends to kind of, you know, help help me pick my life back up. And in those cases, it, you know, when I look back now, it's like, wow, it must have seemed like seemed like a bunch of zany capers that were really not zany capers, but it. It wouldn't have been hard to convince me that I was being toxic by dragging my friends into my bullshit. And in a sense, then it, it makes sense that that is the thing that would hurt Harley the most. Um, yeah, that sucks. That is the worst kind of text <laughs> she could have gotten. See? And Gus is a total dick. Right, Gus. Right. Is- now I'm. I hate Gus now. And, and <laughs> one of the things that I I enjoyed about this episode was Gus. But now I kind of feel like I want to watch it again just to say "fuck you, Gus" under my breath. <laughs> but see, this just ties back into the fact that Kelly's very gullible. That's what we're learning in this episode. <laughs> if this was was reading Rainbow, that would be the 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 big message at the end of it. Kelly is gullible as fuck. <laughs> Take a yeah. look in a book. Reading ra- Oh, nobody else. I thought we were all gonna. Oh, okay. Hey, Sorry. I'm I'm picturing the. No, that was between the lions. Was the one with the lions, obviously. But <laughs> anyway, regard. All right. <laughs> PBS library shows aside. Um, yeah, I. This is such a devastating scene because even just watching it, I was able to convince myself, like, oh shit, maybe this is a toxic friendship. And it isn't, because 
just looking at the pieces, it's the only thing that is toxic about this is Harley's believing that it's toxic. That's the only thing that really is throwing a wrench into things at this point. Um, And yeah, I just, wow, Gus, fuck you. Wow. Um, I lost, I lost a favorite character today and I'm happy about it because fuck Gus. But (laughs) moving into the next part of the show, we, we see not only Harley's grandfather die, but we find out the truth about her dad, which is that he has set up Harley's murder basically and thought that he would use her to get the mob out of his way in the meantime. And as all of this is closing in, we have Harley's mom who also turns on Harley, which honestly broke my heart a little bit. Like if I was in a different kind of mood watching it, that could probably make me cry because Harley so clearly, she doesn't believe in her dad all that much, but she believes in her mom. Um, And yeah, seeing her mom turn on her is a, a whole other feeling, but her mom says, I just wanted you to be a doctor or to marry a doctor. And Harley goes, but I am a doctor. And that to me is, the, that should have been the title of the show. But what did you guys think? How do you think of how that wraps up? Yeah, I I agree that that, sh- that sh- definitely should have been the theme of the show. Uh, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I was I, I kind of was always expecting this payoff when uh, you know seeing her interactions with them and what had happened in the past, I kind of figured they were going to sell her out at the end. And sure enough, I guess, I guess in a way, I wish I could have been more surprised when he shoots Harley. Uh, but I just, I, I wasn't, I kind of expected it. Uh, Kendra, what'd you say? What'd you think? I was so angry, you guys. Like, ah, oh, this part of the show. Like, you knew it was coming. You knew that, that her parent, I mean, it's just been set up. Like, maybe not with her mom. Maybe her mom wasn't necessarily predictable. But her dad. And, and the continuing pun of high blood pressure that causes Grandpa's chest to explode. Um, I mean, this whole thing, like, the back and forth, her dad admitting that he's the reason why the assassins are there, that there's a bounty, he shoots her. I mean, it's just... It's one thing after another, and it all happens really, really quickly. And, I mean, he, her dad says something that really kind of haunted me upon the second rewatch of this one, and because I don't think that I caught it the first time, where he's talking about how you should have expected this. You know, for someone who basically did the same betrayal to her crew, why wouldn't you have expected the same thing to, to happen to you? And, you know, because you're a villain, you're just like me. And and for Harley, that was just, that was, I think that was her defining moment, was her over her dad saying, you know, I'm nothing like you. And breaking herself away from the family dynamic a little bit more, which is, is, is a great, great piece of writing. But I hated these people. I mean, I... I myself came from a broken home, so I can relate. I'm not the only one. I know that many people can relate with Harley during this episode because that's all you want is to not feel like you're alone. You want to feel like you belong and you're willing to do or put up with or say whatever it takes to get that feeling. And you put up with it as long as you can until you just can't anymore. And I think that with Harley, 
all she wanted to do was come home and feel accepted and loved after basically fucking up worse than she ever had in her life. And this episode just proved to her and even, even, you know, to her separate personality, Dr. Harleen, that you can't go home. And that's heartbreaking. And I, I mean, Kelly, you, you hit it on the nail. I mean, this was an episode, all of these episodes back to back just made you break for Harley because yes, to change, to have that change requires the pain, but these two episodes back to back and seeing that home dynamic that you get for Harley in this series, it was utterly heartbreaking. Seth, what did you get from it? Man, shit gets fucked up sometimes. Just, just right from the get go. Like, ah, uh, uh, okay, yeah. First off, Grandpa is a fucking peach. I, I love Grandpa out of shit. I love the fact that he shows up. She's like, "Why are you here?" He's like. Well, first I heard you're in town, and then Grandma's dead. So two good reasons. Yay! Like, oh, shit. Wow. The, the roots of this tree, they just go deeper and deeper, and apparently they're just, like, in a cesspool manure. I don't I don't know what. But th- this is – really, Gramps? <laughs> like, your reason for paying a visit is she's in town? Oh, and, you know, Grandma's dead. Like, great fucking reason. <laughs> um, and the way the family turns on her though, cause he goes down and then everything starts to fall apart when you realize what a piece of shit dad's been. Um, there's, there was little surprise for me when he goes to shoot her. It was just a question of when he was going to get her. So when the shot came and I'm like, we didn't see the shot. Ah, oh, that motherfucker, you know, it was him. Um, man, there was, there was plenty in here where you just realized how much, she was blinded by the things that were going on. And Kendra, that cut that you were talking about was just so twisted the way the dad's like, you know, you should have seen this coming. You know, it's basically what you did to your crew. And then he does that one that I hate. Classic case of samesies. And you're like, oh, shit. Okay, dude. <laughs> really? Classic case of, okay, well, then fuck you too. Um, but at the same time, it reminds you that you – depending on how you grew up, you might have an idea of what families are supposed to look like. But, you know, I can honestly say I dated a woman whose, you know, parents stayed together, but somewhere in her late 20s, uh, while I was involved with her, which is a little embarrassing to admit, uh, she ended up getting into a terrible fight with her mom, kicked the shit out of her mom and got arrested and thrown in jail for the weekend. Like, you just realize sometimes not all family dynamics are healthy. (laughs) Sometimes... What it breeds is this really fucked up response that just you're like, oh, my God. So hearing them the way they just sort of tore her down, you're the reason people spin on us. <laughs> you're just like, wow, these these people, they they never they never. And then the fact that, you know, that you pointed out uh, someone pointed out perfectly well, the fact that. I wanted you to marry a doctor, but I am a doctor. Kelly, yeah, it was you. And then, Brad, you agree that that probably should have been the, the name of the show. I agree as well. I mean, it, it should have been. It just should have uh, – it would have It would have fit really well. <laughs> but what we also get to see is how blinded she was to what she was doing to her crew until someone as fucked up as her dad points it out to her. And then we also see how even Dr. Harleen – was blinded to what was waiting for them when they came home, even though in some places uh, and in some ways it's always been presented that home should be the place where you can come and be safe no matter what's going on in your life. 
And not only get to see that, you know, Harley doesn't have that, but we also get the chance to see how she's able to have a little bit of that emancipation that they talked about when the movie came out and that they've been working on developing as the show has continued. This is about Harley getting away from all the fucked up people that are in her life. And whether it's Joker, whether it's a family environment that kind of bred her to be that type of personality in person, we, we get to see her stumble out and we get the great arrival of this classic old car driven by our good buddy. And it's it's sort of like that, hey, now people who love you are going to tell you the truth. Get in the car. And from that moment, she learns that what she thought she was experiencing in the world, what she thought was the way the world saw her because of the way her parents taught her to see herself and her situation. It's actually all bullshit. And the people that love you, they're going to tell you the truth. So, uh, you know, the last thing I was left with, and unfortunately I don't think it could be the title, but it is something that I learned from that person I was involved with. And it's this great fucked up country saying, family's the first to fuck you. And I don't know if you can make that an episode title, but I think that would have been the perfect one for this episode. Family, first to fuck you. Kelly? Yeah, wow, that is perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I. It, it it's bizarre because this is such a fun show, but there are moments when it hurts to watch because there's, you know, whether it's, relationship trauma or family trauma there are there are these little moments that you're like oh wow this kind of feeling resonates with me and you know I know I have I've had friends who have come from some really fucked up family homes and their their way of kind of coping with that has been to build their own family I mean I have one friend who kind of famously collected a family of friends and put us all together and you know, in a sense, when when you look at when you look back, it's like, wow, he found the people that loved him. You know, he found the people that kind of cultivated a, a fulfilling life for him. And that's not always something people get to do. And the part that gets me about this episode is the fact that, you know, little Mirage reflection Harleen and Harley are both stunned by her family, even though this is the first trauma she's been through, even though this is kind of the first big heartbreak that she's had and she's been living it her whole life there's something about you that always wants to believe in your family and you know it it tells you perfectly how someone like Harley who is as smart as she is and as as strong as she is could end up with someone like the Joker and end up being the Joker's pawn for so many years um yeah it just it's a sad message wrapped in an episode full of boner jokes. And, you know, it just, it, it's one of those things that doesn't hit you until you really think about it and talk about it. That this is, it, we're seeing essentially, at least in this universe, what made Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn. Um, and it comes, it comes apart. It, it happens at a perfect time in the show. Um, but we get to end on a high note because, <laughs> The final scene of this this episode might be one of my favorite scenes in the entire show, which we get to see who it is that hired assassins to go after Harley Quinn. And 
it's it's not Joker, and it's not her. Well, not necessarily her dad, but Brad, guys, what did you think of Joshua's triumphant return? <laughs> oh man, that that kind of surprised me a lot more than anything that happened with her family. But it was nice to have him back and. Bane being the credit card guy and not being able to cut <laughs> the card and instead having to break it in half. Oh, poor Bane. Bane, Bane, Bane. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? I have to agree. This is probably one of the best parts of the show. Because it's Bane. I mean, he, <laughs> the whole, I will be this credit card's reckoning. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bane so much. I and back to the closed captioning real quick. Like I rewound when when we were doing the rewatch. I rewound the last part where he throws the office chair so many times <laughs> because I couldn't I couldn't understand <laughs> what he was saying at the beginning. Like all I could understand was office chair. And I was like, what did he say? <laughs> And it, mine, mine, for whatever reason, wouldn't let the closed captioning come on. But I was like, dang it. Like, because for me, we, we usually do that with anime. Because it'll give you what the original script was versus what happened when they translated. Like, when they do, um, when they do dubs and, and subtitles. And I, I wanted to be able to understand what Bane was saying. Because <laughs> there's a couple of times where you're just like, what? Because he talks so fast, and you want to know because it's Bane, and everything he says is gold. But I was just—I I had a Bane moment because I'm sitting there and I'm like, "Why? Why can't I understand what he's saying?" <laughs> <laughs> Beth, what about you? Okay, so my closed captioning work, and he said, "Blow up on the ground, you stupid office chair," which was just like. <laughs> Blow up on the ground, you stupid office chair. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, which can only be topped by the one other line in this show, which as he was, I mean, granted, I am this credit card's reckoning was awesome. But when he gets into Joshua's face and he's like, you're a lying liar. <laughs> like, I was like, holy shit, that's my new catchphrase. I swear to fucking God, anytime somebody's like talking shit, I'm going to be like, you're a lying liar! <laughs> like, it's just so easy to slip into, and it sounds so good. But what a great development. I love that the whole time we're like, yeah, who, who, who took out this? Hit? You know, it was Dad. That, that fucking asshole. You knew it was him. You knew it. And then <laughs> we get Bane, and he's so pissed. He's like, what, you think I want this? You think I want to be in charge of everything? <laughs> and then he's trying to cut up the car. But he's like, these these blades are dull. <laughs> and then the reason for even screaming at the chair is he kicks it, trips over, and he's like, who put that there? <laughs> then we get that great last line, blow up on the ground, you stupid officer. I fucking died. Like, I rewound it like three times. I was like, what did he say? Are you serious? Blow up on the ground, <laughs> and of course he kicks it out the window into water. So it's just like, I mean, how much more can you epitomize the ineffectual uh, qualities that are Bane? I mean, this is the guy who broke Batman, right? But when we see him on the show, 
can't break an office chair. He can't break an office chair. Can't even throw it on the ground and blow it up. He's in charge of the credit card things. And I love that whole thing about like, and when you take out a hit, you pay with cash. Like, I love <laughs> like such a one-on-one. Yeah, like, come on, dude. Rookie move. Hold on. What else did you do? Send a, you know, <laughs> a card or like it was just so fucking hilarious, like all of that. And it was a, a great way of like, yeah, dude, this was this was hard and and heavy. And there were some real like sort of, you know, traumatic things on Earth. And we, we get a little break from Harley getting basically the shit kicked out of her, you know, getting Frank to pick her up and take her home and realizing that. Ivy actually needs her help and sent them to come get her because that's how much she needs her. But then we get this great just emotional lift. And it was <laughs> it was such a perfect ending because it gave you a chance. It gave everybody a chance to sort of like smile and laugh. And guys, we almost blew past it. But I was just curious, too. Uh, what do you think about the reveal about why Harley's being harvested and who the, uh, you know, big bad was? Kelly? Oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah scarecrow if it is scarecrow which I, i've seen some theories online that it's not scarecrow but i feel like it must have been but yeah uh i don't know way to make it into an episode i guess <laughs> i mean he's shown up before but he just seems so insignificant he doesn't even get a chunk of gotham when gotham falls apart but yeah i <laughs> And I mean, he's so polite with that very civil accent, you know? Oh, right. that's all right. oh okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Whatever you say. <laughs> it's funny you guys are mentioning the subtitles, too, because my friends got me and my boyfriend to start watching this uh, British reality show called Love Island. And 99% of the time, I know exactly what's going on. But sometimes even with subtitles on, I'm like, wait, what? Like, wait, <laughs> What what does what does crack on mean? What are you saying? Mm-hmm. And I know Steve could answer this for me, but he's not here right now. I love crack on. Um, That's one of my favorite phrases. <laughs> I swear to God, it's it's like the coolest, you know, like let's go. It's like, crack on. That's so, I love that shit. They did that That's in one like, of the Sherlock Holmes <laughs> movies, and I was like, dude, Robert Downey Jr. Right now, big old pimp <laughs> holding a pimp cup. Like right now, you are a G. You don't even realize. <laughs> It's, for some reason in this show, it's, it's what they say when, like, they want one of the couples in the show to start getting along and, like, have a connection. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to crack on? Yeah, I'm going to crack. And I'm like, I'm, just when it comes up, I'm like, wait, you're going to, what? It's, it's, <laughs> that anyway. was, my favorite is Bob's your uncle. Yeah, I remember I had to do, Bob's like, your... an hour or two of, like, internet research to be like, what the fuck? Because they'd be like, yeah, yeah, and then Bob's your uncle. And I'd be like, what? What the fuck is that? Bob, help me, help me. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely actually bob is my godfather but <laughs> regardless <laughs> i i love the end of this episode i love the reveal with scarecrow and i love the fact that bane, bane that, that office chair is bane's reckoning i mean everything is bane's reckoning and i love him more for it um but brad what did you think of scarecrow and that that whole big reveal that that's who has ivy um I- I think in some way it would make a weird kind of sense that she could, with her plant power, she could have something that could help him with his fear toxins. So I guess in that sense, it did, uh, it it worked for me, but I I agree with you guys that he was kind of a character that was kind of a throwaway. 
uh, in, in past episodes. So that, that part was a little surprising. And such that uh, you do the best voices. <laughs> you, I think you nailed his British accent right now. So hats off to you. <laughs> and I just got to say that I don't have a uh, an Uncle Bob, but I do have a brother-in-law, Bob. So I figured I should give him a shout out since we're talking Bobs. So, Kenja, <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> I love the, the random Bob. It's great. <laughs> no, but I mean... <sighs> And I think that I should have, like, a spoiler alert for what I'm getting ready to say. But to, to kind of answer your question real quick, Kelly, the reason why Scarecrow doesn't show up or get a piece of, of Gotham, spoiler, 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 is because he's dead. <laughs> like, there's definitely a reason why he doesn't get any. He gets a plot six foot under, but that's all he gets. And we don't even know if he got that. But... <laughs> I mean, when it comes to this this unveiling, for me, my theory was, and technically still is, that Lex is behind this. Like, I think that in a future episode, we're going to come back to this moment and see that, you know, I personally think that Lex was choreographing and playing Puppet Master because he was the one who wanted Ivy so bad for the League uh, LOD. But I don't I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing that Scarecrow comes in. Yes, it was an un, it, it was definitely not a predictable thing. But if anybody could harness Ivy's power, I would think that it would be Scarecrow, who would be able to not only harness it but be able to use it to cause the most amount of chaos. Which means that on the chessboard, you're using your pieces correctly. Um, Seth, what did you think? It was a really nice, unexpected, for me at the time, development, because there was something creepy about the way Gus would say, yeah, you'll be harvested in like two days. And I'm like, okay, that's wrong. That's that's a plant term. That's what you do when you cut down plant. Like, you know, you harvest wheat, you harvest crops. So that means it's something that you've been like kind of growing and incubating. And I already had like really bad, creepy thoughts at that point. And then when I see Scarecrow, I'm like, okay, so you've been growing her or something in her and it's got to do with your pheromone stuff, which just sounds again, creepy and horrifying because here's the one thing that, that really catches me about Scarecrow. Um, he's got that civil voice. And so does Gus. And it was Brad who warned us at the beginning of this episode. Those are the serial killers. Those are the ones that you have to be afraid of. Those are the ones where, like, he seemed so nice. He was so polite. Always helped me with my groceries. Never seemed like, yeah, exactly. Never seemed to have any sort of evil inkling. But, you know, for all his politeness and, you know, with the boardroom and everything else that we've seen him so far, he's the guy who's like, Oh, yeah, no, I was just politely gathering up some bodies for this harvesting thing, and then eventually I need Ivy. However, Kelly, I'm with you. I'm pretty sure this is all Lex pulling the strings, because, yeah, he wanted her in Legion of Doom, and he never said why, right? That's the biggest thing. Like, if you want someone, you tell them why. Usually. I mean, you know, for me, it was like if I was trying to get, it, you know, the attention of a pretty girl, it was like... Hi, I think you're attractive. I also like these different qualities about you. I want you to know why I'm attracted to you in the hope that you'll be attracted to me back. 
uh, or I want to work at this place because of the things I have and the things that you have. And that's why I think it's a great fit. He just wanted Ivy and he never said why. And whenever somebody's like, no, I think you'd just be great. You should come on. And you're like, but why? No, 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 no. But why? <laughs> it's not that I'm trying to get you to like blow up my ego or puff up my chest or anything. I want to know what you want. And he never said what that is. So I got this feeling we're going to come back around. And it's all going to be, I mean, everything that comes to the end of this one, everything we're going to see later in season two, I feel like it all comes back to Lex and him just like opportunity, baby. It's all about how can you pull the strings? How can you move the chess pieces around? So right now, I, I feel like uh, Scarecrow is the distraction. He's the big bad of the moment, just like there will be all these other things going on in the background. But Lex is just like Scarecrow in that way. He's never going to come right up to you until he's actually like guaranteed and be like, and this is where I fuck you up. He's always like, oh, there was a meeting. Some paperwork was signed. Your life is fucked. Anyways, so you know what I mean? Like there's something about how these guys fit really well together where Scarecrow could be like, ooh, that's fucked up. Yeah, I want to be a part of that. Sure. What's going on? <laughs> uh, Kelly? God, you really should be a voice actor, Seth. <laughs> you got, <laughs> got voices down. Wow. <laughs> Also, I, I hope you guys will appreciate this, but I came up with a phrase in the past five minutes. Talk Bobby to me should totally be a thing. But <laughs> <laughs> wrapping, oh, wrapping all of this up, it is, it, it's a really interesting theory that Lex Luthor is going to be the, the kind of big bad behind this all. I believe it. He's up to something. He, he seems to end up on top in every single episode that he's in. And, uh, I mean, Superman right now at the point of the show that we're in currently is still trapped in a book. And the last time we saw him in season one, he's kind of helping Damian Wayne and busting through walls with his mouth open. So he doesn't seem like he's tracking Lex Luthor all that closely yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that'll be really interesting to see going forward. So we already touched on what our titles for this episode would be, or our alternative titles. Um, were there any other scenes that you guys thought really popped out at you or little moments you wanted to mention, Brad? Well, I would say that my favorite line this episode was probably, am I really baked or did two plants just talk to each other? <laughs> 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 that kind of made me laugh. But, um, but yeah, I think we summed everything else up pretty good. Uh, Kendra? I think if I had to go with a, a favorite moment, mine would be where um, after Frank had picked up Harley and she's talking to uh, Dr. Dr. Harleen and she says, strangely, the guy with the boner and the plant driving are real. Seth, what about you? <laughs> that was a great one. There's actually one that I forgot and I was just sort of chuckling about, but it was a line that just made me smile. And it was when Ivy at, or Harley at first is trying to contact Ivy and, and she sends the video of Cy asleep in the wheelchair. <laughs> and it's like sleep or dead. <laughs> right. And, uh, and then she sends the LOL. And it's like, yeah, the LOL seemed kind of sweaty. And there was just something about the way it was describing an LOL as being sweaty where I was like, oh, that's gross. That's actually just, like, creepy and gross. Like, please, God, 
One, uh, the odds of me using LOL, I think I can actually count on one hand. It's three times ever in my life, and probably one was sarcastically, that I've used the phrase LOL. It's just not who the fuck I am. Either I'm just too goddamn old or I, I miss that 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 window when you like embrace it and it's just part of your lexicon. Um, but there was also just that connotation of, oh, yeah, and that LOL seemed kind of like uh, sweaty. And it's just sort of like <laughs> it reminds me of Mean Girls in high school where they could be like, oh, my God, you're eating chicken. Oh, my God, this guy <laughs> is eating. And you're like, what the fuck is wrong with chicken? Everybody, oh, my God, but you're doing it. Like, ah. Uh, and you're just like, how is it you made chicken and my name sound like just the worst things in the world? So there was something just perfect about that sweaty LOL that will always stick with me. I think between that and Lying Liar, I've got some really great catchphrases to uh, add to my bundle. Kelly? Yeah, I think I've definitely sent some sweaty LOLs before. <laughs> I've totally been one of those people who has sat there like, will LOL make this sound the way I want it to sound? Will this just make me seem desperate? I I have been there and back. Could write a Tolkien novel about it. But I think the one scene that really... I mean, not even the one scene that really got to me, but I love the fact that when Bane is having his whole meltdown when it's hard to cut the card and it's hard to break the office chair, Joshua for a second tries to comfort Bane. And something about that was so adorable to me that Joshua's like, I'm sorry, Bane, it's okay. Like, Stop. Like, <laughs> he, he's, he apologizes. It's so cute. I, I don't know. I appreciate Joshua right now. And I'm sure we're going to see him again. But... In the meantime, this has been Mad Lib, Mad Lib, wow, Mad Lib. I'm thinking about old games from the 90s. Um, well, you just took me back. Mad Libs. Anybody else, right? Where you filled in the adjectives and, oh, man, car trips. Thanks. <laughs> this is the Mad Lib, the Harley Lobcast. <laughs> <laughs> But this has been Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, episode 10, and I am Cobbly Gans, Kelly Gaines, <laughs> and it has been very great to be here with my co-hosts, Brad Filicky, Kendra Hale, and Seth Singleton. Guys, if the world wants to find you, where can they find you, Brad? Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews on dccomicsnews.com. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at FlickyB1. So that's F-I-L-I-C-K-Y-B and the number one. And if you are so inclined, you can come out and say hello on Facebook. Just Brad Flicky. Awesome. And Kendra? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at DevourAllWords. I can also be found um, on Dark Knight News doing reviews for not only the Harley Quinn TV series, but also for the comic series. Um, and also on Fantastic Universes, reviewing whatever the hell I want. Seth, what about you? <laughs> you know, whenever it gets to this part, I swear I want to do my my big trouble in little, little China and be like, yeah, I'm Jack Burton coming to you here. You know when the lightning starts pounding, the thunder starts crashing, you start hearing the... <laughs> 
like there's always some part of me that just wants to like man wouldn't it be so cool if you could be like yeah if you're looking for me out there cool people here's the way it goes you just find me no um i can usually be found walking my dogs but should you find me walking my dogs i have concerns about how closely you're keeping tabs or your desire to reach out to me in such a personal way so let's keep it civil let's keep it social let's keep it media one the number one more singleton on twitter which is probably where the content for a lot of what we're talking about is going to be most appropriate otherwise set the writer on instagram and if you want to see my dogs and yet not creep me out by making it personal, uh, Bruno and Fiji, they're adorable. There's something to make you laugh during this time. And really, I would prefer you do that than come find me personally. Otherwise, I will. I will have to disappear. Uh, <laughs> other than that, you can find me here with these great folks, whether it's on Mad Love, where you're going to hear my, you know, more garrulous side or uh, with the weekly uh podcast where we talk about stuff in a more g to pg rating kelly where can all the good folks find you you can find me on twitter at kel gains right and you can find me on our our g and pg podcasts here on the dc podcast network um and also doing opinion editorial pieces for dc comics news um if you enjoyed the show be sure to like subscribe and comment we'd love to hear from you guys and you can find Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, as well as all of our main DC podcasts at, at oh, wow, I'm losing everything today, <laughs> um, on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Play. And you can follow DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube. There's one last thing that we like to end our podcast with, a friendly reminder from us here at DCN, and that is to read more comics. Have a good night, everybody. Three, two, one.